Hey, hey, my fellow working artists, it's Brian here with the Beanox Podcast. And this show exists to outfit you with the mindset and tactics to go full time with your creative endeavor. You've got the skills and the passion to not only make a living, but also to design a life. All right, guys, welcome to the Beanox Podcast. I'm here with Josh Williams. I don't know everything about Josh, but I do know him as the founder and the owner of Cohesive Coffee here in Greenville. And I'll just share personally for a second about what I see when I go into Cohesive. When I go into Cohesive, it's always humming with excitement, I feel like. And I say that not just to boost you up or puff <laughs> you up, but I feel like it's a very alive environment. It feel, I feel like it's always crowded. I don't ever walk into Cohesive and go, this place is dead. Yeah. So tell, we're going to jump into how you got there, or mm-hmm. we'll get into that eventually. But I want you, Josh, to take us back to sort of your more conventional jobs, the things you were doing before you started to get the vision, mm-hmm. the idea, the dream of Cohesive. Tell us, give us a little bit of background on that, a little bit of background on yourself if you want to sure. throw that in there. And then we'll talk through how you started to transition out of a conventional job into what you're doing now. Yeah. So, um, I was born in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We moved here, uh, to Greenville when I was like three in 1991. My dad was hired as the youth pastor at Rocky Creek Baptist church over on like Woodruff road back when it was farm town. Okay. Uh, absolutely nothing there. It was wild. Um, and he's still there 30 something years later and he's the missions pastor now. Mm-hmm. And I just really wanted to be like him. And so when I was six, I told people like, I'm going to be a pastor. I want to do this. I want to do this. I went to school for it. Got jobs doing that. Um, I worked in Hendersonville uh, as a youth pastor up there. Um, did some like worship internships and things like that. Went to school and then was decided to become a worship pastor. Okay. Um, did that for 10, around 10 years. Gosh. Okay. I mean, I started in college. Um, and so what's wild is, I mean, I haven't really worked conventional jobs. No. (laughs) Um, I worked in high school. I worked at a fitness store. Okay. Um, with our buddy Yope. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I worked at power fitness. You were Um, power. Okay. Yeah. I worked, I was, um, I was one of his like first employees. You were slinging ellipticals or what? Yeah, man, dude, he'd send me out in his truck. Salesman. I bet. (laughs) Um, I never sold anything. Okay, you were a delivery guy? Or? Yeah, I was a delivery guy. Yeah. He had me on sales like once or twice, but I was so shy at that time. God. I used to be super shy, um, huh. which is just wild for people to hear now. Yes. But was super shy. Um, did that. I worked at a, a pizza place okay. uh, that's no longer here. Um, this is while you were a uh, youth pastor or a music Yeah, so this is while uh, when I was at Pepino's, Pepino's Pizza, still in Clemson. It's mm, delightful. Pepino's. Uh, when I was there, though, they, I was still doing youth ministry. So I was in college. I had two jobs, you know, just trying to, trying to make it. Yep. The after that, though, I did work basically exclusively churches, okay. and always some sort of weird side hustle um, into, like I did. I worked for like catering, like wedding okay. catering. Yep. Got to go like really cool places and like sling bar and stuff like that. Okay. And then did private security, got to do that for a little. So there's always something, okay. but even in those, they were never like, they were never conventional jobs. They've never been a desk guy or anything like that. Got you. So were the side hustles 
did you have any that were music related? Did you have any that started to be coffee or beverage or hospitality related or what? Tell us a little yeah, bit how so, it kind of branched into like doing a creative thing. Yeah. So I, I've always been creative. So the music and all that stuff was, um, that was just a natural progression. It was easy to find, to fall into the, um, the other one. So when I, when I first got into ministry, most of the times you're bivocational, yes. you know, getting paid 20 grand a year yep. and happy for it. Yep. You're just like, I can't believe I'm making $20,000. Yep. Um, and so we would get, we would always typically have, you know, just little extra jobs. And there was a, um, catering company in town that would hire some of our other pastors. Okay. Um, like I think it was one of me was one of my friends invited me out. My first time with them was pouring Stella Artois, uh, <laughs> in the Atlanta Porsche dealership God. in 2011 for the Porsche 911 unveiling. To get invited, you had to get like uh, spend five hundred thousand dollars in the past five years on Porsche. Ooh. So like the Yin Yang twins were there. Uh, come find out, the president of the like beverage company that owns Stella was there. Gracious. I ended up serving him. It was wild. Uh, it was just so much fun. And so that happened. And so I started getting some skills and like knowledge mm. of knowing that kind of the the industry. Okay. From there, though, I just kept doing doing that kind of stuff. When we moved up here, somebody asked me to help work security at a concert, just checking IDs. I got kind of roped into that, mm. uh, that team. And we did, did that, that changed into another company, um, which is now like a really, really awesome private security company here in town. Mm. Um, from there started just working there, worked my way up into all the way to private security. It was really fun. Uh, huh. And then when I opened up Cohesive, I had to I quit those guys didn't have time. Okay. In the middle of those, though, there was a uh, ministry ended, mm-hmm. as sometimes things do. Things don't go the way yeah. you plan. Sure. Wasn't left with much. Okay. So from there, that's when I went into, um, I did like six months of marketing, uh, working like doing sales in a marketing place. Mm-hmm. That's when I did learn I do not like a desk. Uh, I'm not an office guy. Okay. Um, that's also where like my first idea of starting a coffee shop came from. Okay. Working in that creative field. Did you take positive things from that corporate culture? Did you see things that you didn't want to come into your own business? What was sort of your experience there? Yeah. So what happened with there, the biggest thing I learned, um, because doing sales, it's not that you don't, you know, I learned a lot about sales. I learned about a lot about what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, as I kind of like trial and errored it. But the biggest things that I learned were things I took to the the coffee shop, which was I learned as a sales guy I was making calls all day, I can't be behind a desk. I would walk to the nearest coffee shop twice a day. Was that in Greenville or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was West End Coffee. Okay. Yep. Yeah, down right down there. They're not there okay. anymore. Yep. But um where the Crafty Cat Cafe is now, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, cr- good old Crafty is that Cat. Crafty? Yep. I've not been in there yet. Yeah. Have you? It's catish. There's cat ears and cat posters and cat art. Yeah, it's great. Good service. Nice. Yep. I've heard good, like I've heard good things about it. And, yep. So it's West End. Yeah. So it was West End. We were right there. We would drive over or I'd walk over. I was spending like fifty dollars a week <laughs> just on coffee. And first of all, my wife was like, "You can't do that." <laughs> budget talk. Yeah, but that that good budget talk. And so she was like, "You cannot keep spending fifty dollars a week on this." Okay. But in that, I also was meeting a lot of entrepreneurs 
and learning that entrepreneurship isn't as much of like having all the answers mm-hmm. as it is having the guts to go find those answers. Ooh. Because like, and I'm not trying to throw shade at any yep. of these entrepreneurs, so I definitely won't name the names, yep. but some of them were the dumbest people I had met. Yeah. Some of them were geniuses mm-hmm. that couldn't figure out how to connect things and others were great. And what I found out was there was no, we always think of like entrepreneurship before we get into it. And yeah. all we think of are like the Steve jobs, yep. Elon Musk, Elon Musk, and just go, Oh, I can't do that. They have all the answers. And then I started learning. And so that started getting implanted in me of anybody can do this. Where did, um, where did you feel like you were in that mashup of like business skills, some education, ah. life skills, love your craft, you know, yeah. like how did you assess yourself? What was your honest assessment of where Josh? So my that? entire life had been that I was going to be a worship pastor. Okay. Uh, I went to Anderson University, um, had a great time there. Uh, but you want know, you want to know how many business classes I took? How many? Roughly zero. Approximately zero. You want to know how many math classes I took? <laughs> One. One. Because in the Christian ministry department, they just didn't. No. Not that they. I don't. When I say don't care, I don't mean like don't care. But they mm-hmm. didn't care about prepping us for like a business side. No. So everyone else was liberal arts at that school except mm-hmm. for us. We mm-hmm. kind of were held into our own okay. thing other than the basics. So when I get out of ministry and don't have a clue of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I also don't have a clue of what I want to do. I don't know who I am all yeah. of a sudden. Just um, kind of sheltered or yeah. not so, experienced. Yeah, sheltered, not experienced, but also just like the past, at that point I was say 26, mm-hmm. past 20 years had been prepping for this one thing. Mm-hmm. And... So now I'm, I'm, I'm new and it was through my security job that I got hired at the marketing agency, mm-hmm. um, showcase marketing, which is now the brand, um, the brand leader, uh, with great. Jeff, uh, Wasserman. Okay. Um, great, great people over there. And like, they literally gave me a shot, uh, when I did not deserve one. Sure. Um, I walked in, I had a connection with them asking for, again, no experience asking for an account executive position. You asked for that? Yeah. I was like, throw me in. Y'all need that. And basically I sold myself on it and they hired me to do that for their company. Sure. Um, Which was really fun. And I got to learn a lot coming in with no sales experience other than trusting your gut. Okay. And learning, learning that there's not necessarily a right and a wrong way to do a lot Mm -hmm. of things. There's the most efficient way and there's adventurous ways. Sure. And I think... A lot of us entrepreneurs typically take the adventurous way and then from there find shortcuts back to the efficient way. And so I kind of ended up having to do the adventurous and I kind of just learned as I went. Uh, From there, I got approached from my security company, Mm -hmm. um, High Spirits Hospitality. um, And they approached me to uh, lead our HR department as an HR manager. Okay. Um, By that point, I had thought about a coffee shop. Got it. um, Just hanging out and I was like, oh, that could be... I'm spending all this money at a coffee shop. I'm sure plenty of other people will. <laughs> yeah. But I hadn't really, but I did, had no idea how to get to that point. That was a distant, distant view. Gotcha. So at High Spirits, um, they hired me once again for my, um, my personality, my ability to connect with people. 
the same way that I was hired for the sales job, if it was broken down was because Mm -hmm. I'm good with people and I'm good at being trustworthy with people because it's not the, we weren't doing used car salesman stuff. We were doing, you know, big deals and yes. And then with HR people having to be able to trust you to that. And so I was able to, they saw that and would teach me the rest. Yeah. So lots of learning, lots of going and trying to figure out, you know, I'd done the creative field now, you know, I'd done kind of the creative business. Now I'm doing just straight business Mm -hmm. and it just, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, you're starting to wrestle with like, I don't want to do this for the next two decades. Yeah. Yeah. It was nothing to do with, you know, it was funny because people asked, I was like, it's nothing to do with the company, nothing to do with anything other than I'm trying to learn who I am. And I wondered if I could just do a nine to five, leave, you know, leave work at the office, but that's not who I am. I can't do it. No, I'm still, you know, bored out of my mind feeling trapped in this office. When I went there, I went back into, uh, I ended up going back into church work actually doing production. Um, and at that point I had thought I had had told people about you had, okay. I told people, wouldn't it be cool? Um, what did it feel like when you started to put it out into the atmosphere? Dude, that is the best feeling in the world. Oh, you were okay. Oh, that is the you were, best feeling you in the loved world. loved it? But you're so, also opening yourself up to judgment. And, yes. And ridicule and caution. And that's cute. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you were getting, you are kind of excited about it. It was also well, as both. So first of all, um, so the story at how, and sorry, I kind of went yeah. the long way, but it's yeah. because my- It's the adventurous route. Yeah, and because unfortunately my journey is like it builds off each other, but it's so like comes out of left field. Yeah, like most people's. So um, we had moved to Malden, and we would see this building. It's no longer there, okay. and I'd always be like, oh, "Dorothy, Malden needs a, a coffee shop." Yes, it did. And I was like, "Malden needs a coffee shop." Malden what needs year, a coffee roughly, shop. Roughly two thousand. So this would 15, have been 16? yeah, around two thousand fifteen, okay. sixteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Um, Malden had nothing. No, Malden had nothing. Didn't have the Starbucks yet. Starbucks wasn't there. Crave, Java Jolt, Java Jolt, um, had closed by this point, which became Crave. Yeah. Which okay. then, um, the, that building and the shop was sold to Crave. Yes. Okay. Um, and then that was just sold recently to a new owner. Gotcha. So there was nothing. There's nothing. And so I was like, we need to, somebody needs to do it. Somebody needs to do it. And just like I did this then accidentally, I said, we need to do this. Okay. My wife, I'm a seven, Enneagram seven, yes. all in. My wife is a one. one. She is. Give us the brief summary of the one. Um, and how that perfectionist. Plays. Okay. Everything has to have a plan. Oh. Um, not necessarily like a, and not like a, this insane detail plan, but mm-hmm. not a, huh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Yeah. No rashness at all. No. And I said like, oh, what, what if we did that? And I kind of waited and she goes, yeah, I can see that. That gave me just enough to like, with my, with my friends, my friends and things, I had to go, I'm thinking about doing a coffee shop and for them to go, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's so cool. What was your next step? Like when you woke up that next morning, mm-hmm. your wife did not flip out when uh-huh. you're like, we should potentially do this. Where did your brain go and what actions did you start to take? And walk us through a little bit of like transitioning it from dream yeah. into Cause it gets really serious really quickly. If you're, it can, we got to get a building yeah. and like all of a sudden we have a, a well, so, lease payment or whatever. Yeah. Well, so, so again, how did you I'm navigate a, that? as an Enneagram seven at the first sign of difficulty, we bolt. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And especially for a dream like that, like do you know how many times I have like 
I'll tell my wife, hey, I think I'm going to record an album. <laughs> hey, I, th- I, I think I could write a book. Yes. Hey, I, there, we ha- as a seven, we have so many unfinished things. Like you saw my setup because I'm trying to record a demo. Yeah. And then I stopped. And then I went, oh. So I woke up that next morning probably not even remembering it. Just, okay. Oh, yeah, that was... Just another idea you had sort of... Just another idea I'd had. Yeah. yeah. But as like over the next like couple weeks... I would talk to friends I trusted and kind of like tell that story. It's like, she didn't even freak out. Did you talk to anyone in the industry? Not yet. Um, not yet. So at that point, I just said, like, I remember talking to some close friends and saying, like, Dorothy didn't freak out. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And they go, well, I can actually see that too. Okay. Oh. This is big. And so that's when, like, it actually started because of people believing in me. Okay. Um, which is a unique twist, I feel like, for most yeah. entrepreneurs. Yeah. Now I hit I hit that that wall very quickly. To where what? Where they um, <clears throat> you did not feel Oh, for sure. Yeah. I had that you get all the naysayers, all the haters, okay. things like that. But at first you were collecting yeses. Yeah. And go for it. And we believe in you. Yeah. People know kind of like so the Enneagram seven, um, the seven, especially with that six wing who's cautious. Yes. Uh, just loves, you know, they like refer to that as like Peter Pan. Okay. Just very, very like outgoing. And so most people know most of what I say I probably won't do. But if I do do it, yeah, it's going to be really, really great. Yes. Um, because like, so there, for most people, there's not really a, they just want to celebrate. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the, hopefully the personality that I try to put out is like, celebrating is really cool. I think mm-hmm. it's Bob Goff that says like, you don't re- need a reason to have a party. Okay. Yeah. And he's a seven wing six as yeah. well. It's just like, let's, let's party. Let's have yep. fun. Let's. Yeah. So I start telling people and they were just like, that sounds really cool. That's so exciting. You would do great at that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not real. It's just words. Uh, and I ended up, I met with, uh, were you self-aware enough to know that at the time? Like, did you, you know, were you, was your confidence being bolstered because people that you respected around you mm-hmm. were saying, Josh, you should go for this? Did you feel like, hey, they're patronizing me? Patronizing no. me, Or what was sort of your understanding of what was going on when you were speaking to the people in your inner circle? Yeah, so uh, no, I really didn't feel patronized at all in it um, because that's the other part of it is in those moments, you're not super self-aware. Okay. Um, you can become a little, you, like you become more more self aware in hindsight as things go on, but at that moment, no, I was in my head. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be easy. It's gonna be great. Uh, met with the councilman in Malden, and my my heart and my idea was to be in Malden, yes. not Greenville, but Malden. Yep. Uh, we met with a councilman, talked to them. He loved that idea. He thought it was cool, and then I sat on it for a year, and and I don't mean the like really respectable oh man mm-hmm. i just you know just really thought about it it was no my mind had moved on to something else okay yeah and for a year i went oh yeah like i mean it was cool to think about mm-hmm. and i met with that same councilman after a year and he goes why haven't you done this oh you're still talking about it ah so he brought the accountability on yeah you. he was like you're still talking about it and i went oh and i met with a financial planner of mine mm-hmm. who had my very, very, very small retirement <laughs> account that I gotten from ministry. Yeah. Um, and like, I want to spend it all. And he was like, he's talking, he's like, why won't you do it? I gave him all these excuses, including like, I don't want to wake up early. I am not a morning person. <laughs> and, 
And I mean, like, I don't get like really going until like two. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, that's the worst excuse I've ever heard. <laughs> well, and I was like, well, I don't have the money. He's like, you can get money. It's like, but I don't, uh, we're about to have a kid. You know, we're about to have our second kid. It's going to be stability. hectic. And he goes, when is it not going to be hectic? And I was like, mm. and he goes, and if you can do it while having a kid, then you can literally do anything. Yeah. Went, well said. Oh. So I left there and went back to my job at Fellowship and told my my really good like work friend there. I yeah. said, I think I might actually do this. Okay. Um, and uh, he was the first person I told with any like sincerity. Yeah. And I went into my office and uh, I was on my lunch break, just kind of like hanging out. And I found a business plan online that like helped you um, like write one. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name where I plug it because it's yeah. really cool. And I wrote a 30 page business plan that day. You started with the business plan. Yeah. I started with like this crazy, crazy plan. Um, and it was going to be called like Malden Coffee and Brew. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a beer shop and coffee shop. Um, and just very, honestly, like very mountain goat vibes. Sure. This is before, place. this was before mountain goat yeah. was there and had all of that, but literally had, I mean, they're asking me questions like, you know, trying to come up with numbers and I don't have any idea. And so I'm literally, I'm going in with the most optimistic idea of like, well, I'm sure I could probably sell 500 cups of coffee a day. Okay. Like five hundred. That's is that a lot? That sounds like a lot. That's a ton. Yeah, that is so much. So I mean, think think about if we're doing, you know, if we're doing three three dollars for cups of coffee, which I mean is not what anybody pays anymore. You're paying way more than that. It's fifteen hundred dollars a day just off of that. Yeah. And so I was like, I was just I was so optimistic because I have never I never really had pushback. Did your Enneagram one wife ever look at your financial projections that you were coming up with in your head and go, Josh, 500 cups of coffee a day, sir? Well, so this is the other thing is we had found probably the same with you with photography. Yeah. Most people don't understand what all goes into it. No. They see the product. Yes. And with coffee the same way, Mm -hmm. what happens is then people say, and you probably had people do you really think you can sell 500 cups of coffee a day? To which optimistic me goes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> With nothing to back it up. Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, and so um, I went in and now my, my, my goal, um, I, called, I called the guy about the building. And uh, a building you had had your eye on. Had or? my eye on. Okay, you just called the leasing number. Just call the leasing number. Yeah. Hey, and because now at this point it was, it was moving into a, a place where I hadn't really been. I've been before. Yeah. Which is the, well, let's start just asking, mm-hmm. asking questions. Sure. How much it feels is it? big? It's a big step. It's also probably subconsciously, a, like a way for me looking to looking for a no, looking for a no, yeah. looking for an out. Like, um, oh, because, that monthly payment's way too high. Because this that seven over. just always wants to, I want to go, then go to another celebration. Yeah. Um, and so I called and it was funny, the, the building had just sold and was for sale again. Okay. And I said, well, like, what would it cost to rent? Mm-hmm. This place was maybe 1200 square feet. All right. Re, like it was a dump convenience store. And the guy goes, um, I'll rent it to you for $5,000 a month. 
And I said, I, I had that same thing. I said, what? Seems like a lot. That seems very high. He goes, well, that's my, that's what my mortgage payment is on it. I let that building go. Yes. All right. And no one ever bought it. Okay. It then got torn down and now they're trying to sell the land. I think I know where you mean. Yeah. Right there. Right across Butler? from, yeah. Family Butler, video? uh, right across from it family was video. In the, it was on a weird angle. Yeah. Is that we, and, yes. Yeah. One of that looked so cool. It's like, he's showing me on the <clears> perfect goat spot. Vibe. Perfect spot. It would have been, but yeah, man. it's torn down now. So it got torn down and now I'm left with going, I don't know what to do. Okay. So, um, I actually then call that yellow building where the antique store is. I called about that. Okay. And, oh, uh, yeah. the, the guy, um, at this point I, I wanted like that warehouse feel and he was like, yeah. well, I've got a garage, but you wouldn't want it. It's got exposed ceilings and concrete. And I was like, Oh, I do. I do. I, do. I get there and dude, <laughs> it was just this, yeah, it was just this gross garage with like eight foot ceilings. Ooh. Um, like slants everywhere. I was like, oh, uh, this is too industrial. Yeah, this isn't going to work. Um, but I looked at another place that he had that he would have had to like move somebody around. And I was really like, scrappy is just a great way to describe okay. it. Um, it forces you to think creatively about like, for me, what a space could look like. Okay. Did any of these external obstacles start to <clears throat> daunt you in your dream? How did you wrestle with and surmount like just the, the external obstacles. Yeah. And then what also what was going on inside of you, um, as a budding entrepreneur, how were you kind of getting through those things? Yeah. So I, at that point I didn't really have a lot of obstacles and they didn't feel like obstacles yet. Okay. Um, cause that's the other thing is when I do get into, when I do get into it, I put everything into it. And so I'm on this spiral right now of going and just being every waking moment is coffee. Every waking moment is coffee shop. Every waking moment is probably telling way too many people. Yeah. And so nothing felt out of the ordinary. The guy could tell me, oh, well, rent's going to be, you know, $5,000. And now instead of going, well, it's impossible. Now I go, well, all I got to do is figure out how. How do we do that? Yeah. And... I mean, I looked at another place and it was a literally just a cinder block garage. Mm -hmm. I don't mean a warehouse, a garage, like a window. I was like, I could do this. Mm -hmm. I know what I would do. And so, um, those obstacles hadn't come yet, but then what would happen is I kept running into like building after building where all in that same little area right there. And I just, I would just run into problem after problem. And I finally got a place that let me see it. I liked it. I brought a contractor in to mm-hmm. price it out and I couldn't afford the build out. Um, and I got a number for it, but it was going to require me to get like, uh, with everything like $150,000 loan. Okay. And that is my first obstacle. Okay. That's the first, like have to hit the brakes obstacle. I want you to, for our listeners, talk a little bit about the balance of having guts like your Enneagram seven really <clears throat> made you just kind of inherently want to jump on things, right? Like you're yeah. ready to, you're ready to jump off the cliff with wings, without wings. It doesn't matter. You're ready to go. And then balancing that with prudence, which is not, not, not agreeing to a monthly number. That's so outrageous that you're dead of stress in yeah. like six months. Because I think that's a, I think that's a tension that a lot of entrepreneurs have, which is like, they're either really dreamy 
or they're an accountant type where they're like, nope, the numbers just never add up. Yeah. And I feel like you need to have a little bit of both of those where you, you have some guts, but you also have to have prudence. So um, what was that like in your as you're weighing these different options in different buildings? Yeah, so the, again, not knowing numbers, there's a little bit of that just like adrenaline junkie. Uh-huh. We'll figure things out as we go because I don't know. Not even so much of a, this isn't skydiving without a parachute because you think it's cool. This is skydiving without a parachute because all you've seen is people get in an airplane and go and you run up and then you jump and then somebody says, didn't you have a uh, parachute? And you go, you didn't know you needed it. I didn't know I needed it. <laughs> so, and then from there, it's just trying to find people that have pieces of one and building one in the air. Yep. Um, and so, like I said, my first obstacle being, how do I get the money? Mm-hmm. But again, there was, I had this vision of like, there is a way to do it. So I talked to several places. I needed $30,000. Okay. If I could get 30 grand mm-hmm. to put as a collateral, I can get a loan for, I think at that time it was like 140. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. So that's what I'm going to do. That's what I do. I'm going to try to raise 30. So I start 000. a, um, a GoFundMe. Okay. Um, so, and the GoFundMe is, this was the first hardest point of my life. Okay. Like probably really saying this mm-hmm. was the moment that, um, made me realize I was going to stick with it because I'm working at fellowship. Um, and they loved me. Yeah. Um, by that, what I mean is like, there's no bad blood, anything yeah. that like we're, we great still, working we're still great work relationship. Yep. And I talked with the, with, um, my boss and said like, Hey, if this GoFundMe works, then I'll be leaving because I wanted to be transparent with them. Sure. I didn't want to do anything. So I was like, if it doesn't, then we'll continue how we're doing things. I was doing some pop-ups. Yeah. But, you know, don't worry. And they kind of said, like, well, we have a guy who is wanting to be here. Mm-hmm. To, like, take your position, potentially? And, we're and yeah, and they were like, and we see this in you. To go do the To go dream. do this. We see your passion there. Awesome. And so we think, that like, and kind of even, like, we think you need a push. Um, that was one of the things the, um, that he said. He was also, like, he was a mentor yeah. of mine. And so <clears throat> at the time, it felt like, oh, crap. Yeah. It has to work. And uh, so I start emailing this to every person I know, uh, including a big group thing to my family. Okay. And uh, I hope they don't listen to this because it's not going to necessarily talk well about them. Okay. But also it's what happened and it really hurt me and it was the darkest part. They didn't come through with a 200 grand overnight. I get an email from my grandfather that just says, coffee shops aren't our thing. Count us out. Oh, I mean, he was honest. He was, he was direct one liner, direct one liner. And it was just like, Oh, n- no, could have been fine, or uh, just the word unsubscribe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so or I, no I send a, I send a message um, in hurt to my cousins and a screenshot, and I say, I guess we all know who's the least loved. <laughs> I meant to say favorite, but loved yeah, is yeah, what yeah. came out. Yeah. And apparently, that made it back to my grandmother. Oh my gosh, Josh! Who calls me and says, Josh, I, I'm so sorry. No, you know that you were loved. We love you so much. We just don't believe you can do this. <laughs> so much better. And I went, again, you could have, you, yeah. you could have just I mean, said, we love you. Yeah. You know, 
Um, went, we just don't oh. feel you can do this. And um, their their reasoning behind it was because of a lot of my like, oh, I love to celebrate and I want to do this. I want to do yeah, this. I'm going to start this. this thing. I'm going to start that. Um, and then coming out of college, I mean, mo- my average state of church was around 16 to 18 months because I was trying to find church world is very unique in, you know, I've never been in a, uh, I've never really worked a job where oh, me and this person don't get along. Yeah. Because there's so much, you have to connect so well in a church. And so I'm trying to find that place. And that's what in, ultimately has me leaving ministry. And so they viewed me as this flighty kid. Yeah. When I was like, that's not what was happening. I was just trying to find my spot. Um, from there, then my other aunts started kind of getting in on and like doing the, the, the nice aunt questioning. Okay. Of like, oh, okay. So you, so you, so you know what you're doing and you've ran these numbers now, how yeah. much, and like they'll, you know, making the questions more difficult than they mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. Now, now how much rent will you be paying every eight and a half months? Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't know that. Yeah. Josh, you're going to need, people are going to want to (laughs) ask and just really, again, just doubting with the, well, you have had a lot of jobs Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, they were discounting your future, your opportunities. So tell me what what was the first GoFundMe that hit? Like, I got to know, uh, in what way? Just the first contribution you got. Oh, so the first contribution was like a $500. It's great. Yeah. Huge. It was amazing. Did you know the person? I, th- I okay. did. I knew the person, and I really, really, really wish I could remember yeah. who it was specifically. Yeah, um, because I really should thank them every day. Yeah. Um, but it was basically it was enough for me to go. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, it was also the false hope of I'm going to do this now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the GoFundMe ultimately failed. Okay. Um, I raised. Man, I want to say, I mean, it was a good amount, maybe six, seven grand. Yeah. But with GoFundMe, it's all or nothing. It is. Um, which I'm also very grateful for. Yeah. Um, so what I did after that was talk to my wealth, my, my financial guy, and he advised me to drain my retirement account. Yes. And I mean, it was literally $8,000. Yeah. And he told me how to do it in the right way. And I did that and bought, started buying some equipment to do pop-ups okay. because at this point now I am in it mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of, I think every entrepreneur has this, even if you don't, don't like confrontation, there's a little bit of a, they don't believe I can. I'll show you. So watch me. Mm-hmm. And now you still had your corporate job. Um, I still had my corporate what, job. What was going to become the delineating point of here's my two weeks notice. <sighs> Having a, a building. Okay. From for me on my end, um, but what that meant from a from an honest perspective, what that meant was I wasn't able to give. I was doing production for a very large church. I wasn't able to give them everything. Yeah. Not because of time, but because of my mental capacity. Yeah, brain space. Yeah, um, especially for both of those were kind of creative. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be sort of like if you were your entrepreneurship was selling cars, but your day job was selling printers. Yeah. It's pulling from the same yeah. just re, uh, pool of resources inside. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really a lot of like, there wasn't a line in the sand for me because in my head I was still doing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't doing a ton of events because I was just dipping my toe in it. 
you know, I would go to a farmer's market, things like that. I, I made connections with, you know, Malden, um, the theater, mm-hmm. would do concessions there and just starting to kind of build a name for who this coffee company would mm-hmm. be. Um, and that's where like the, also the beginnings of community okay. started. Sure. Um, and our desire to be, to build something came from the, our desire to see Malden mm-hmm. become a place of community and a place of something, like, something that we wanted to be a part of. And so that's kind of where, that's kind of where we're doing. So there wasn't a ton of like back and forth going back to your question. It wasn't a lot of just, Oh man, I got to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly the line in the sand was they were seeing where my passions were lying and starting to see like, all right, we think that this is going to be not, not, not even so much of, we think this is going to be a huge success for you, but just, we think this is something you're wanting to pursue and we want to believe in you in that. And so, um, did you set a date at that point? At that point? Yeah, we set a date. Um, so this, it was How long like, did you have, like, it was, what was your runway about eight weeks? Okay. Something like that. So it was about eight weeks to say, Hey, like we'll transition over. And yeah, it was weird. Um, what talks were you having with your spouse at that time? And where yeah. were you with having a child? Yeah. Then- so, um, we, Judah had been born <clears throat> at this point. So we had, at this point we had a three-year-old okay, and an almost one-year-old by now. Um, Dorothy is uh, working at the hospital. She's an ER nurse. So her hours are, um, you know, pretty crazy, crazy, 12 to 12 or seven to seven, 12 hour shifts. And so there's, um, a calmness of me being able to stay home mm-hmm. because I mean, when I was, when I was doing ministry, I was barely getting paid anything anyways. And so there was, there wasn't this need. My, my money wasn't putting food on the table. Sure. You know, um, now that also doesn't mean that, well, my money was so that we could live lavishly. Yeah. You know, we still, there wasn't a dr- drastic reduction no. in like being able to meet your bills and no, and we had to, we had to tighten our bootstraps a little bit or yes. tighten our belts, whatever the, yeah. that, whatever that expression <laughs> would belts. be. Um, by the bootstraps. Well, I mean, I guess you should probably tighten your you bootstraps too. As well. Um, so, but there wasn't a ton. So what we were able to, um, I was able to watch my son and for those first couple years, yeah. um, I was able to then book places from there. We bought a bus. Okay. That opportunity came and we bought a bus and outfitted it like a food truck. When did your revenue start to exceed the expenses? Because mm, mm, I haven't seen my psychic recently, so I, I'll need to ask her. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know when you when you're starting to invest in a dream, buying gear and buying stuff mm-hmm. can feel like an investment. Okay, well, I'm going to become a full time photographer. I've got to get the latest twenty five hundred dollars Sony A seven four, whatever, and it feels like you're taking <laughs> real steps. But you have to be cautious there mm-hmm. because in the early stages you need that money. You need you need the you need uh, you need the money in your bank account. I mean, mm-hmm. as a home and as homeowners. So, like, was there a point at which you started to see as a business this might be viable? I can finally start to contribute to our household income. Um, maybe it isn't there yet. Not, I didn't mean to yes, bring no, it up. No, no, okay. you're good. Um, so that wasn't really a thing with the uh, pop-ups. Okay. Um, so basically, I could you could see proof of concept starting to work, um, but you also like I had to be very 
honest with myself of going, I'm selling coffee and cold brew mm-hmm. for three, three, four bucks. You know, I might walk away with like, I think the, the best I'd ever done was, you know, $200, you know, by the time it was like 60, 80 bucks. And, and so I would, there wasn't like a lot of that, but you would get that really good proof of concept. And so people are interested. So then it started going to, well, if I buy this bus with some of my retirement money, mm-hmm. um, or she put me on a, she was really cool. She put me on like a payment plan. Nice. Just zero interest loan. So I'd pay her like 400 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, well, once I do that, then I can go places and then it's going to be busy. Yeah. Um, the problem is Greenville's just not really a, like a walkable city like that. Yeah. I mean, if you think most of the food trucks, you know, they're still, they're going to Traveling restaurants, stuff to like places. that. So there wasn't a ton of just like, ooh, I'll go here. So for a coffee truck, it was, it just wasn't ready yet. And there are a couple that are doing really well with like, just man, just crushing with events. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I wanted because my ultimate goal was, was a, a brick and mortar. So we did that for about four or five months. Again, not really contributing. And we get approached about the space we're in now in okay. the junction. Yes. Um, not in Malden. No. And um, Up into Greenville. Yeah, so we get approached about it just like over Facebook um, Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Um, Daniel Holloway sends me a message. He's like, have you ever thought about a brick and mortar? I was like, I have. But I, that costs money. And um, at that point, my wife had given me an ultimatum. Um, not like a divorce ultimatum. Yeah, but no, a but business ultimatum. It was, so um, my downfall is I hadn't bought a business license. Okay. Because I was basically just working as, you know, yeah. little yep. farmer's markets type thing. Yep. And so she said, either you buy a business license by this time. Or you get a job at Chick-fil-A. And what she meant by the business license was either you go full-time with this mm-hmm. or leave. That job, not the family. Sure. Yes. <laughs> and um, the problem was I didn't have the money. Our bank account was just going down and down and down and didn't have the money for it. And so I was going like, well, babe, I can't just buy that. And that's when, during that is when Daniel reached out to me. He's like, have you ever thought about this? I went, um... Dude, I, there's no way I could do That'd that. That'd be a dream, but there's no chance. Yeah. And he presents this idea. It's like, well, what if we all partnered together? I went, oh my gosh. Yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went and talked to his partner and he was like, oh, I kind of spoke a little bit too soon. You know, we don't really, we're like, we would love to do that at some point, but not yet. Um, and then he offered me like, there was another option. And then I had a friend that was like, oh, you don't need that. I'll invest in you. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, just super, super excited. And then all three of those fall through. Oh, Lord. And um, I went, oh. Chick-fil-A, here I come. But at that point, I had seen, I'd gotten a tour of the the junction. Yeah. And that's all I could think about. And I was so far in at this point. I was like, no, 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 I'm not backing out. And so I started researching like how to get loans and now I had a better idea of what to do. And I started putting like real numbers to pages. And at this now at this point, I've been like a little bit more realistic on numbers because I'm able to see I'm not going to do 500 cups. 
maybe I could do a hundred. Okay. Like that could be a cool goal. All right. That would cost this. This would do this. And so I was able to come up with a, like a real number of exactly how cheap I could do this. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I was able to get a personal loan for $50,000 and I was able to get an Amex Golly. with, you know, an Amex doesn't really do limits. Yeah. Like, okay. um, you can just go. It's an extra, several extra grand, oh, lots of extra money. Yeah. You could charge yeah. as you get going. Yeah. So, um, I was able to get that and now all of a sudden we had money to play with and we have money to sign a lease and we have money to then that's, this is when I then started calling in any favor I could, you know, talk to our good friend Gordon, Gordon and was like, Hey man, I got this amount in build out money. I don't have more. Yeah. Can Gordon, you do this? Gordon was doing general contracting at the time yeah. and was going to help with the construction and build out of the yeah. space. So he go. He's like, "Let me talk to my boss." And he comes back. And goes, "We can do it for that price." All right. Well, now, like, things are now really real, and so, you know, we start. <laughs> like, there wasn't really even like a. What did like you think? Natural. Yeah. It, yeah. It was a series of a series of hurdles that you came up against, and then were able to get over just based on, you know, stubbornness to some degree, but yeah. also the network around you. How did you feel at the end of day one, opening day? Oh, of opening day. Dude, I still remember I sat down. This was, we had a soft opening and then we had a grand opening. Okay. Soft opening um, was, we didn't have so a CEO some? yet. It was great. We okay. didn't have our CEO yet. Okay. Um, so it was just friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we weren't open. And after the, at the end of that day, though, I remember sitting down and people had, like, my phone had blown up all day. I had friends coming by, um, even my family that had not yeah. believed in me. My parents had, they were all bought in, but my aunts and all, they even showed up. And I just, I would scroll through Instagram mm. and I think I was literally in tears at one point. Um, one of the coolest things that happened, we had so many notifications of comments that it wouldn't load them all, <laughs> you know, cause it does, there's not a load more feature as you scroll down, it takes you to a certain place and stops and we had so many comments, people tagging us that I couldn't see them all. And I remember just thinking, I was like, this is, this is what I had wanted. You felt so supported. Yeah. I felt so supportive, but it was also because everything also talked about the community, True. the communal aspect of it. And so it was just such a cool moment to go. I think I did it. I think what I had thought about was real, you know, and which again came down to the community um, it was, it was a really cool day. <laughs> People are pulling for you to go for your dreams, man. They're, yeah. They want to see somebody have that prudence up front, but they, mm -hmm. people are pulling for you. Well, and that's what, that's what I learned was that people love success stories way more than they love Told sad so. stories. Yep. And nobody, I mean, there are still, there are plenty of people that are terrible and do love the to do that you told they told you so yep. but that's because those people are scared yes and they're telling you that because they thought about it and were too chicken to do it yeah they squelched their own dream yeah and i don't have any respect for that i don't have time for that and i don't let it in my life and you know i've even told my wife now even with like family stuff where goes i don't have to be there for that mm -hmm. i'm not going to put myself there 
Um, and cause that's how we get to, to burnout. Yes. You know? Yeah. Which I know is another thing like you've talked a lot about. Oh yeah. It can, it can consume you. Your business <laughs> can consume you even as it starts to be successful too. Yeah. It's not just, Hey, we're scrapping to get by. This is going to take 12 hours of work per day for me to get through this. Even when you're being successful, you got to start as an entrepreneur to put up those guardrails mm-hmm. of, I'm not going to be working on this at 11 o'clock at night and I'm not going to neglect, you know, viable family or valuable family time, mm-hmm. um, to work on this. How do you feel about cohesive most days now that you have sort of walked us through? We kind of skipped the whole pandemic, which yeah, no, you're good. Give us the brief of like how you made it through the pandemic. And then where do you uh, stand now on some of that? No, with, with the pandemic, we were already struggling a little bit Mm -hmm. because we'd had that big rush and then a drop, um, just as people got excited about it. As you know, this, they get super excited and then they just kind of fall off. And that doesn't mean they weren't fans or anything like that. Just it's what happens. And then the pandemic hit. So, by the time it hit, we were already kind of skeletal. I'd already talked to my accountant about like my accountant said, we're going to have to have the conversation of how far are we going in on this? Ooh. Um, and so we were already kind of in trouble and then the, then the pandemic hit. And so we were, we were already able to shift really easily. Our ship was light compared to a Starbucks that yeah. couldn't turn. And so very quickly we were able to switch to Odeco, um, which was at that time exclusive. The online Is that like ordering. carry out or pick up? Yeah, the or online ordering. Okay. We were we were one of the first shops in Greenville to go to that. And I don't say that to brag, but to yeah. say like we were light enough already to go. Good. We're already scrambling, we gotta go. Yep. Um and so yeah, we I don't know how, but we survived. <laughs> During that time we did a um we did a GoFundMe. Early we did a Kickstarter, not a yeah. GoFundMe, but this time okay. we did a like a GoFundMe for the shop. Um, so we did the GoFundMe that kept the shop alive. Uh, we also sold our house and bought a different one, bought okay. this one. Yeah. But with that profit, mm-hmm. we were able to pay off that um, fifty thousand dollar loan. Gracious. And so um, that's freedom. Oh man, we got right. We got at the right time of the housing market. Yeah. Because also like we could afford what the a houses. Boost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of a sudden, which we did that, I did that intentionally. My wife and I decided to do that intentionally because we knew we were struggling. Mm-hmm. And if we were going to hit, if we we're going to have to hit bankruptcy with the shop, this is a personal loan on us. We can at least get out from under some of that. And so this idea of we can clear it. Um, I got a ton of flack on that um, because people who don't know the whole story, people like some of my family, that criticized me uh, behind my back, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. for buying a big house during while asking people to support your shop. And it's like, well, that's, that's not what's happening. No, and I just I, didn't know the full story. And I also learned in that moment, you don't deserve the full story. I don't have to justify what I do and I don't have to correct. I don't feel the need to correct fake news from people that I wouldn't get news from anyways. You know, and I don't think any of us should, because um, that's one of the things I, I you see most with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Let's say you know you get that first bad review, and the thing you want to do is you want to go and correct it. Yeah, because you go no 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 that's not what happened, and they're gonna tell people, people are gonna see it. And what I went was well, I finally had to learn because I still I still remember our first review. Mm-hmm. I had to remember, I wouldn't read his reviews 
for anything else. Yeah. So why am I caring <clears throat> to critique it? Other people can read it. That's fine. He wasn't a credible source to you. So he wasn't a credible source. So yeah. come try it out for yourself. I don't care. Yeah. And if you don't like it, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm just going to enjoy it. And plenty of other people enjoy it. The people I trust say that I'm on a, on and a path care for about, it. Yeah. So out of, so anyways, out of the pandemic, we survived. Okay. And we came out, um, different. Um, every, I mean, all of us did. Um, I had already started this idea cause I'd already hit my burnout. Um, I hit my burnout before that, right. As, as the coffee shop started and it wasn't just business. It was everything. I mean, just being very honest and vulnerable. I was suicidal, um, in January of 2020 and just was ready to throw it all away. It just, I, my life had gotten to a place where, you know, basically ministry had failed in my eyes at that time. I tried the corporate world, couldn't do it. I tried bartending, stuff like that. That didn't work. I couldn't do it. I tried entrepreneurship and that's failing too. What's the point? And so in that I had set up this mentality as like a last, you know, last resort. And every Tuesday I would go hiking. Okay. You know, so that was, I just get alone and just had like these amazing moments just with myself, with God, lots of screaming. I was a crazy person on Paris mountain. I apologized <laughs> to anybody that lived there. One time I got lost cause I went off the path and oh, I ended no. up in the neighborhood that's at the peak of Paris wow. mountain. So again, apologies to anybody just there wandering out there. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I'd created a way to find space without knowing it. And then when the pandemic ended, White Duck opened. Okay. And our shop all of a sudden exploded because people were excited <clears throat> to be there. And there's a now yeah, one of the best restaurants. It's, yes, yeah. So tenant. our like we jumped tremendously all of a sudden. And so now what I think about on a daily basis is we'll have good days and bad. You know, we still are struggling, I think as most restaurants are, with playing catch up after COVID. You know, there's lots of loans that are out. There's lots of things that are gonna still like we're still crippled, but now we're we're on the healing side of it. You can move again. We can start to yeah, we're we're moving with a limp. Um and so most of what I think about is honestly, I have so much um grit in it now, so much skin mm-hmm. in the game. Not even, not because we've made such a big impact, which I hope we have. Not bec- definitely not because we've made so much money, but because I've gone through so much crap that I go, can't stop now. I'm not getting taken out mm-hmm. just because we're struggling to, you know, make payroll. I have savings. Yep. Let's go. And um, so yeah, I mean, we had to do that several times during the pandemic. Was just pay our people mm-hmm. from our own pockets. Um. And I mean, honestly, and we're very blessed and lucky to have that luxury. One, because a lot of companies didn't. Yeah. One, because a lot of people couldn't. And it wasn't that we were in, in that realm. And I think a lot of business owners had to do it. It wasn't because we were, we would, it was our savings account. It wasn't a, it wasn't something that we were like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> we got plenty to toss no, over. No. But it also wasn't a, 
we also weren't going to, our kids didn't go hungry for it either. Yep. Um, Look, looking back on that whole, the whole thing. I mean, I think this would be a very sobering conversation for a potential <laughs> entrepreneur to yeah. hear. What's your advice now? What's your, what's your take? If someone's, if someone comes up to you, Josh, I have a dream of whatever it is. Yeah. But like, how does, how does what you've been through now in the past two or three years inform the advice that you give to that person? Oh man, that's a great question. I think the the biggest thing that would change would be, so, I mean, this is a great example. I, we opened up a new, we announced a new shop a couple months ago. Yeah. Going through those leases, because this lease was so much bigger. It was a 10 year lease. The rent was, you know, double, if not triple, because um, of where it's going to be. And I had to, we basically made a new company. And so what I would tell people now is, no, 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 still go for it. Because you don't want to get, you know, just like everybody says, you don't want to get to the end where you go, man, that could have been me. Um, I'm a big fan of the Struts now. Okay. Because they have a song called Could Have Been Me. Okay. And like while I'm, while I'm going through the pandemic and going through this, wanting to quit, that kept me going because I kept like just singing a song. It's like, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to give any time thinking that could have been me. Man. I want to try. And because I was already in it, you know, I definitely didn't want to be the guy that said, oh, like for me, I said, I don't want to be the guy that goes, well, we had a good run, but we didn't get a chance because of COVID. Yeah. I was like, if we're going to fail as bad as this hurts my ego, I want it to be a hundred percent my fault on you. Yeah. I want it to be either my fault. We failed mm -hmm. or my fault. We succeeded. Not because of me, but because otherwise I will continually question and go, I just didn't get a fair shake. And I think that's something entrepreneurs always go with. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, if we had closed down during COVID, sure, we didn't get a fair shake and we want to keep, we like, we want to keep thinking, but that just means when we're in that moment, we got to think that way. I refuse to look back and say like, because I'm not going to have the the guts to do it again. Yep. This is the one shot. This is it. This is all we got. And so looking now, there's this like, like this far off look, like when you see like those like old Westerns and the Cowboys looking, mm -hmm. looking in the distance with like a gleam of like mm -hmm. happiness. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we have this idea of like, I mean, we're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have days that I still want to quit that I want to sell. But I also know all of that is just temporary because I've seen, I had to visualize and see and all that's all that stuff earlier. Yep. Now I, I can see it. it. Now I can see what's 10 years ahead and see what's 20 years ahead, you know? And so for us, we did, <clears throat> we did the numbers for this new shop because I'd seen ahead and go like, all right, let's, let's see if we can do it. Mm -hmm. And the numbers were terrifying absolutely terrifying we were talking like in now we're in the millions and i was going i don't know if i can do this but then i looked at the forecasting numbers and went i showed them to like my account i went are, do you see the numbers like i see these numbers it's possible because it beyond possible likely like these numbers look likely to happen and he goes yeah what are and so his final <laughs> question was are you willing to go through this again <laughs> and because that's actually the biggest question that we've started seeing after covid is 
this idea that we're not infallible, we're not impermeable. Um, another COVID could come again. And that is a very sobering fact, but that's where without giving any credence to the, you know, faith over fear people, without giving any credence to that, there is this idea that we can't, we can't pause our dreams just because there's a possibility of something coming. Yep. Because in reality, there is something that's going to come, but that might blow our shot. This is our, this is our chance. Yep. So for me, I went, let's go all in. Yeah. Whether or not it's a pandemic or whatever, yeah. there's, there's always calamity, family issues, whatever that can yeah. come up. There's always something that's going to be, that's going to come up. Um, and so for that, you prepare, you think through the options. I thought through, I mean, I literally did talk with Dorothy and made sure that I put clauses in the lease of, well, if I get paralyzed in a car accident, I have the option to do this to protect. And it's very sobering. Mm-hmm. But you start to teach yourself that anything could happen. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. It means we're going to keep going. You know, it's kind of that, that, uh, that stuntman mentality. <laughs> you know, like, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to crash into these school buses. But uh, it's going to be pretty cool if we do it. <laughs> <laughs> so entrepreneurship, recommend or not? Mm. Heck yeah. Woo. Heck yeah. I still can't imagine doing anything else. Um, because I have freedom. Yeah. I mean, you and I were supposed to record this starting. Yeah, yeah not so. even yet. And both of our jobs are yes. now at the point where we can go, I can shift things around because I'm the one that has the shot to call. Um, which leads me to a, a really cool story please, of renewal. Um, and I would highly recommend this organization to any entrepreneur. Uh, it's an organization called Refuge Foundation. Okay, Refuge Foundation. So... Um, I still do worship leading and I led um, it beginning or end of October in Beaufort uh, with one of my really good friends. And he told me that he couldn't have lunch with me the next week because um, he's like, well, I'm headed to Wyoming. I said, oh, that's really cool. I actually know this like foundation and their job is they just pour into pastors and leaders and give them a chance to, re- to renew. And he was like, well, that's actually where I'm going. I said, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to go. He goes, well then come on. I'll pay for your I'll pay for your trip. You pay for the flight. Ooh. And I went, I had because he said the words, I had I pay for the flight, mm. I had my out. I had my sevenness had the oh my God, that'd be so cool. Go but because <clears throat> uh, it was also in seven days. Yeah. That's a lot. So one of my friends from uh, Fellowship Greenville worked there. And he had just come back from it. And so I texted him. I said, dude, that would have been crazy, right? And he goes, no, you have, you, you, you go. Going. You have to go. And like, with, like you could almost hear him go, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't a, oh, that would be cool. You go. This isn't a, but I just had surgery on my leg. Cool, you go. Yeah. You don't miss this. And so I, I texted him. I said, well, I guess let me talk to Dorothy. And Dorothy even said, I was actually thinking about what we could do. Like what would have to happen for you to do it? Oh, so we come back home to Beaufort and I'm Googling flights the whole way because typical seven, it's all I'm thinking about. I could go to Wyoming. And the thing with this, with refuge, refuge, there's not a itinerary. You know, you think, especially when you think of like leadership and businesses and yeah. so that, oh, it's a conference and 
No. It's also not a, it's not the super spiritual thing that you think about with, oh, so you just, you bring your Bible and, oh, from 6 to 9.45, you're in deep, deep prayer. From 9.45 to, you know, 5, you're in medium prayer. Because uh, as a 7, I'd be like, I I'm mean, bored. Yeah. I, I, I will not yeah. go. All you do, they're like, what you do is you smoke cigars, you drink some bourbon, and you fly fish. Mm-hmm. And you spend time with other people that are going through the mess with you. And I was like, oh. So we find flights. Well, flights are looking at like 1200 bucks. And I was like, I, there's no, I can't do it. Well, my neighbor, who travels all the time, goes, I'll help you. He has miles. And so, no, 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 not miles. I mean, I still had to pay for it. But he then starts teaching me, well, you don't have to do round trip. Well, you don't have to go to this airport. Like, yep. starts putting Little things hacks. together. And so all of a sudden, like, I mean, I paid 600 bucks for my airplane, yes. for my airfare. Yes. Um, and, you know, so because instead of flying into Wyoming, we flew into Denver and drove four hours. And so yep. he was like, you can just rent a car. Yep. And then it turned into, well, actually, other guys are going. Y'all can just share a car and split it. Dude, it was, it was great. So all of a sudden, I'm going to Wyoming. If I had a regular job, there's no way I could call them up and go, hey, guys, next week, I'm going to be gone. You know, and, and with zero cell service. Yeah. Nothing. <clears throat> but I was able to call my manager and go, make it happen. Like not from like a commander. Yeah, it's like, on you. Hey, it's on I, you. I gotta go. Shares, yeah. I gotta go. This has um, not happened yet. You haven't no. gone. Okay. And not got, And so I was like, I've got to go. I've got to do this. And there you go. You know, I, I still do a side job doing um, production for church. I called them and I was like, I've got to go. I've got to do it. And um, they were gener- generous enough to go. All right, cool. Yep. Um, and so I end up in Wyoming in outside encampment, and um, with. I think there were like 15. Um, this group was mostly pastors mm-hmm. of like, but 15 guys where the buck stops with them. And then there were like seven or eight staff members that are all young guys, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23, uh, that are fishing guides for us, but that also just are insanely intentional on relationships and the kind of relationships that their job is to, you would expect them to be 65 and older because of like just the wisdom mm-hmm. they had of just listening. And we went around and, you know, we talked about like our highs and our lows in our life. And I, was, I told them, I was like, my low is that I'm just so dang lonely because I don't have office friends. Yeah. And in, in my field, our staff is younger, you know, because they're, they're baristas. Sure. But they're also, I can't be friends with them. Yeah. But we're yeah, yeah. very tight knit because we're in the trenches together. And so I was like, I'm just lonely. I see all my staff hanging out together. But I also have to remind myself, I'm 14 years older than them. Why would I want to hang out with them? <laughs> I don't want to hang out with 22 year olds. <laughs> and stay so, until 2 a.m. and stuff. Yeah, right. And so it was so good to just like, I mean, literally at 9 a.m. we'd wake up in a like, on a ranch in Wyoming in the, in like the middle of nowhere in the mountains, we'd fly fish. We would come back. Um, we'd eat lunch together and then we would go back out and fly fish. Mm -hmm. It was frigid and amazing. It snowed. We saw, um, you know, we saw so many deer and antelope. 
Um, we blew up a fridge with 20 pounds of tannerite. Perfect. Um, it was awesome. And, you know, I think I smoked probably like 20 to 20 cigars that week. And what's funny, I'm not, I'm not really a cigar guy. I mean, I enjoy them and I enjoy like most things. What brought me to coffee is I enjoy the camaraderie that it brings. Mm -hmm. And even now I will, I mean, if you see my fire pit is pretty well used almost once a week, I will light a fire, light a cigar and just sit out there by myself because it just reminds me of that time. And it gives me an instant reset. Um, the cool thing is, so Refuge is by donation only. So now what they typically will tell you is their suggested donation for the trip type thing. Like here's what we, here's what a trip would cost. We suggest yeah. you donating it, but you can also then like they collect donations from other people because their idea is also the, the leader who can't afford to go yeah. is probably the leader that needs it the most. Yes. And so they, people give and, you know, you give and you get people to go. And for me, I was, it was at that spot where I didn't know, I didn't know I needed it. Brian, I check our sales eight times a day, but not because I'm paranoid. Um, I told them I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was just curious and it could help like my brain. I could start to predict. Yeah. After, after day two where I wasn't checking it. I just realized this is incredible. I didn't even realize how much that weighed on me, but it is weighing on me and it is just open. Um, some of the conversations of other people and just the stress that they go through of, you know, how do you work with this staff member that is, you know, not getting along with somebody was, man, it was just so good to, to have these friendships all of a sudden. And we still, we still talk and are super close uh, one of the staff members actually showed up at my house yesterday God. and me and him sat outside, had a couple cigars and he laughed. He was like, do you mind if I go into refuge mode? Mm. And I was like, yeah, why? He goes, I just need to speak some things into you. And he was like, this, this kid's like 23, <laughs> like 23. And it was just like, but is he had the balls to look up and some of the other people that he's talked with and he'll tell me he's I'm like, Oh my gosh. He's like, yeah, I, and what, what he told me, and this was awesome. He was like, what I've learned is, is it's all about generosity. He's like, I've gotten to meet with people. He gets me with pastors, but he also meets with billion dollar industry leaders, mm-hmm. you know, um, people that are literally making the world turn. And he goes, I've seen the people that are happy are the ones that are generous with the money. The people that are, burned out are always the one that everything is about, you know, we're struggling to keep this much money. I need to retire. I need to do this. I need to do that. Mm. When it's all about that, that thing. Um, so Brian, you know this about me. The, the term, the grind mm-hmm. is to me is a cult. You I, with it? I of it? hate it. Sick of it. Um, but it's gotten such a, and it's gotten a, it's gotten a bad rap in entrepreneurship thing because the idea is you have to grind. If you're not working 90 hours a week, well, then you obviously don't care enough. Yes. And what I learned on this trip was that is bull. Because what it's about is it's about happiness. Now, if money is where you find your happiness, then yeah, I understand why you would think that. But for a lot of us, our 
a lot of us entrepreneurs, it Not wasn't the primary. It wasn't money. It's freedom. No. Yep. You know, you left because I mean, most of us left great paying jobs yeah. <laughs> to, you know, make a fraction of what it is, but it's about freedom. And so with that, then you are able to find this generosity that he was like, you know, we, the best people that I know, it's they're generous, not because they're trying to be charitable, but because they just want to be happy mm-hmm. and they want happiness for others. And it's really changed how I view how we determine if cohesive is, is successful. Yeah. Cohesive isn't successful because it clears X amount of dollars. It's successful when we see people talking about it. When we see people saying, man, I feel so accepted there. I feel like you include everybody. When we see people like, oh, it's the cutest little shop. This is my favorite shop. Um, when we do fun, you know, stupid competitions with other shops, which is why I'm wearing a Bridge City coffee shirt yeah. right now, uh, because they beat us in a signature drink competition. Oh, I got you. Okay, you're wearing your competitors. Yeah. Shirt. So um, for um, to support March of Dimes, both of us made a purple drink. Okay. And for the month of November, each sold it, and they sold ten more what than we did. Deal? Oh, ten. Ten okay. more. And so um, me and my manager Eric have to wear the Bridge City shirt. <laughs> while we're on shift for a week and but it's so that again it brings in one it it brought in some generosity for the community yeah and it was fun yeah i just it's talking crap with each other yeah it was fun man dude (laughs) thanks for sharing yeah um that was deep um i value conversations like this because to your point entrepreneurship can get very lonely. Mm -hmm. You got a lot of people who do support you. They are cheering you on. Uh, I think that goes for all of us who have kind of like gone out and pursued our dream. And we're, while you, if you're like me, you, you appreciate that and can sometimes feed off of that and get that high or that boost from that. Yeah. But you don't have a built in network of coworkers. You're Mm -hmm. not pulling the same sled, so to speak with other people a lot is on Josh and a lot. Yeah. And so it just, I appreciate these conversations because I want entrepreneurs to know there's a whole collection of other folks out there just like them who Mm -hmm. are wrestling. It won't be the exact same thing with payroll or a building payment or whatever, but they're wrestling with a lot of the same challenges. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we let our guard guard down from going, I've got this all figured out. I'm amazing. I'm a success. And you go, Hey, you know, revenue looked great this year, but let me tell you about what sucked. Yeah. Those are the conversations that are instructive and helpful for me. Yeah. I think, well, for all of us. I think it's also good because, so I'm a, being a seven, I'm a huge extrovert. I was super shy. I joked something broke <laughs> and now I'm just super extrovert. So before the shop, I wanted to know as many people as I could and have close friendships with as many as I could. And I've learned, I've gotten very introverted. Um, I, I joked I'm an introverted extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, but not because like, not because I'm not comfortable around people, not because yeah. I'm shy. There's nothing like that. But out of necessity, I've closed my circle. Yeah. And I have like, I mean, my wife, my best friend, I have, um, you know, a couple other people. Those are like my like inner, inner circle. Then I have like the people I talk to on a, on a weekly basis that I'm, you know, would still take a bullet for. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned is then those people that are on the outside that I used to bring in as friends, I started realizing that I'm a commodity. And I feel like entrepreneurs, like 
if they give that a, t- a term and think that means like fame and stuff like that, it's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Because everything stops with me, that also means if I stretch myself too thin, everything falls. Yeah. The trampoline breaks. Yep. Um, yep. You know, we're the trampolines again. We're keeping For it all sure. the bouncing. Yep. And so it was kind of funny. Like I would always meet people and be like, oh man, we should get coffee. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I would never understand it. And now I understood it. And I've, yep. Unfortunately, but also for, for healthy reasons, had to tell people like, oh yeah, yeah like now. we're, well, not even that, but like, Hey, we're, we're friends, but we're not, we're not close friends. Like we're acquaintances. We're, we're what you would consider a buddy. Yep. Um, and that can feel really lonely when you don't realize you're having to do it and you don't realize that other entrepreneurs are doing it as well. Yeah. Because I just would see my friend count go down and realize I'm spending a lot more time by myself. And now I'm learning, oh, yeah, because I have to be on all the time anyways. This gives me a chance to, even if I don't like being alone, yep. compress, restore. rest, restore, and just bring everything back to life. There's a Warren Buffett quote I've been taking a lot of solace from. The highly successful say no to just about everything. Mm. <laughs> as an introvert, I may be using that as a social excuse to not come to your party, but... No, I mean, I'm just, I'm not yeah. going out. Oh, I can't. I got a new business plan I'm yeah. working on. <laughs> just sitting and dreaming. Ooh. All right, Josh, where can we find out more about you and Cohesive? Where do you want to send listeners who have enjoyed your story uh, to learn more about the coffee shop? Yeah, so uh, I would highly recommend following us on Instagram um, at cohesive.coffee. Or you can also follow me at at JH Williams. Technically, I'm on Twitter, but it's mainly just Raptors basketball um, and maybe some digs at the SBC. Um <laughs> Yes. That's about all I got on there. In the Murdoch murders. Okay. Just those three. Okay. Um, You can also just come and find us at the shop, experience the community that we hopefully have built at 301 Airport Road in Greenville, right next to uh, White Duck Taco. Or coming up at Bridgeway Station in Malden. Yes. Coming 2020. What's next year? Next year's 22. Then 23. Also, I put earlier, I told somebody, (laughs) I woke up this morning, I said, man, it is cold for September. And I'm pretty sure in my brain, I meant September 2020. Like, <laughs> just stuck. If we're just it's in just this stuck. time loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like 30 degrees this morning, but it's also middle of December. <laughs> it's supposed to be. Oh, thanks for your time, Josh. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening, guys. Hopefully, Josh's story gave you a little bit of little bit of inspiration for your quest as an entrepreneur. If you want to stay up to date with where I'm at in year two as a professional photographer, you can follow me on Instagram at b.knox.photography. You can also jump on my email list where I occasionally send out updates and thoughts about being in the business of photography. And you can get on that list at learnfrombrian.com. Again, that's learnfrombrian.com, and you can also subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends. See you.